The Old Testament reading is taken from Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 to 18, and this can be found on page 64 in the Bibles in the chairs. Exodus chapter 24, verse 1. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire, stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God, and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you, and behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Please take a seat. And as we start, uh, let me tell you that this is not going to be a really long sermon. It's not going to be one of those sermons where you're sitting there thinking, when is this going to end? It's not going to be a mammoth sermon. I give you my words. How are we assured you're feeling right now? Do you trust me? Well, you're going to have to wait and find out. But when, uh, sometimes we want uh, more than someone's word uh, before we trust them, don't we? Especially if the stakes are higher than just whether a sermon's going to be long or not. 
uh, if you're renting a flat uh, or starting a new job, uh, usually you want a contract uh, rather than just trusting someone's word that they're not going to mess around or take advantage of you. Uh, and even more so uh, if our life depends on it. Uh, if I'm buying a, a climbing rope, uh, which I sometimes do, um, I'm not going to buy it off some random person on the internet uh, who tells me that it's a decent rope. Uh, I want to know that it's new, that it's undamaged, I want to know the manufacturer, and I want to know that it meets EU standards and you can hang three double-decker buses off it. Or even Brit new British safety standards, probably soon. And uh, I, I want to know that because I'm going to trust my life on that rope. And God calls us to trust him uh, with every area of our lives. Uh, and even more than that, uh, he calls us to trust him uh, with our death. And so how can we be sure that we can trust God? And as we look at this passage today, I hope we'll see that we can trust God. And I hope we'll see that he is completely committed to us. Uh, and therefore, we are able to commit ourselves to him and our lives to him. Uh, both our own lives uh, and our, uh, our life together as a church family uh, over the next four years of our time together. So let's pray before we dive in and have a look at the passage. Father God, uh, whatever sort of week we've had, uh, whether we're coming here this morning feeling joyful, whether we're coming here feeling tired uh, or a bit overwhelmed, uh, we pray that you would speak to us by your words. We pray that uh, it wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other, other ear, but we pray that you would shape us uh, and change us. We pray that your spirit be at work in us as we listen to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, if you've been with us on our journey through Exodus uh, over the last uh, quite a few weeks, uh, then you'll know that uh, God has rescued his people uh, from slavery in Egypt. Uh, and yet, despite the rescue, uh, they're incredibly quick uh, to start grumbling, uh, to stop trusting him. Uh, and again and again, uh, we've seen that God uh, is gracious to them, uh, even though uh, they keep being unfaithful. Uh, in fact, despite all the ways they mess up, uh, God continues to promise that he will be their God uh, and they will be his people. Uh, he keeps on saying that, one of the key promises of the Old Testament. Uh, and here in chapter 24, uh, God says, don't just take my word for it. I give you my covenant. A covenant is one of those Bible words that kind of gets thrown around. Uh, and it means a relationship uh, where both uh, parties make binding promises to each other. Uh, marriage uh, is a good example of a covenant. Uh, so it's like God is saying to them, uh, I'm going to marry you. Uh, I'm going to completely commit myself to you. Sometimes you hear uh, stories of Hollywood stars uh, kind of marrying their childhood sweetheart who uh, is just a nurse at the local hospital or something. Uh, and yet uh, the contrast there is nothing compared to the contrast of the God of the universe, uh, the creator God, uh, being willing to completely commit himself uh, to a people who, uh, who are unfaithful to him again and again. And yet that's the incredible thing that is happening here in Exodus chapter 24. Now, many of you uh, will be aware that uh, there is a new covenant in the New Testament, and so it might be tempting to think, uh, well, why don't we just skip on to Hebrews or Romans, uh, read about the New Testament. That, that's how we relate to God now. Uh, but the New Testament is a fulfillment. Uh, the New Covenant is a fulfillment of the Old Covenant. And as we understand that Old Covenant better, uh, we'll understand the New Covenant better, and we'll understand better what Jesus has done for us. Uh, and so now, as we look at this Old Covenant ceremony, 
uh, we'll see from the nature of the ceremony uh, what the nature of our relationship with God is like. Uh, just like in a wedding, uh, you have uh, rings which symbolize something. Uh, in this covenant ceremony, uh, everything symbolizes something and has meaning. Uh, and the first simple thing we see is that God wants relationship with his people. Uh, verse 1, the Lord invites Moses, Aaron, Aaron's sons, and 70 of the elders to go up Mount Sinai. Uh, they then come back down, and there's an offering in verse 5. Uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, and then verses 9 to 11, to 11 uh, we get the real high point of the passage. Verse 9, we read this. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of emerald, uh, sapphire, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. Uh, they saw God and they ate and drank. One of the main words used to define God in the Bible is holy. Uh, he's set apart, he's separate, uh, he's transcendent, uh, totally perfect. Uh, and as sinful human beings, uh, we cannot come into his presence. Uh, in fact, whenever human beings encounter God in the Bible, uh, they're afraid uh, because they recognize that as they come into God's presence, they see how imperfect and unholy we are. Uh, in fact, later on in Exodus, in chapter 20, uh, 33, uh, we read that anyone who sees God's face will die. And yet, amazingly, uh, here in this passage, God invites them up the mountain and we're told that they see him. Uh, and not only that, but they eat and drink with him. Imagine you head down to London and uh, you go on one of those tourist tours of Buckingham Palace. Uh, you're kind of wandering around uh, in uh, the corridors of Buckingham Palace. Uh, and at the end of the corridor, in the, in the far distance, you see the Queen. Uh, I know it's unlikely, but uh, stick with me here. But uh, at that moment, uh, there is no sense in which she wants a relationship with you, is there? Uh, but imagine instead um, you're walking around and the Queen comes up to you and she says, uh, Ben, I've, I've, uh, I've heard of you. Uh, do you fancy coming over for dinner tonight? I mean, that'd be pretty incredible, wouldn't it? And at that point, there is a sense that she wants to uh, have some sort of relationship with you. And far more amazingly than that, uh, here we see that the Creator God, uh, holy, uh, set apart, uh, takes the initiative uh, in relationship with his people. Uh, he wants a relationship with them, uh, even though they're unholy and imperfect. Uh, now, I don't think that they actually saw him face to face, uh, partly because we're told later on that they would have died. Uh, also because in the passage, it seems that uh, they could only really kind of see underneath him. Uh, they could see this incredible pavement. Um, uh, and even that was, was amazing to behold. Uh, maybe it was a bit like kind of looking at the sun. You, you know it's there, but you can't look uh, straight at it. Uh, but you're confident that it is there. Uh, and by showing them that he's there, God is saying, uh, I want a relationship. Uh, and he's saying, uh, I'm a willing party in this covenant. Uh, here I am. Uh, I'm part of this covenant and I'm committing to you. You see, God doesn't just uh, give us his words. He gives us his covenant. Uh, and as I said, a covenant is a, a relationship where both parties make binding promises to each other. Uh, and in the ancient biblical world, uh, you normally seal the deal uh, on a covenant uh, in a special ceremony, uh, just like, I guess, we have a special ceremony for a wedding. 
Uh, and this ceremony was vivid uh, and extraordinary uh, and memorable. And it was supposed to stick in your mind so that you could not forget that you had made a covenant with this other party. And the way they made the covenant back then, uh, you certainly couldn't forget it. Uh, it usually involved symbolically uh, cutting in half animals. And uh, what, the, uh, what it symbolized uh, was firstly uh, that there are two parties in this covenant. Uh, and secondly, that if you broke the covenant, uh, that is what should happen to you. Pretty gruesome, uh, I know. But in this ceremony, in Exodus 24, uh, there's more hope because God provides sacrifice here. Uh, in this ceremony, Moses instructs the people to offer animals on an altar uh, as sacrifices. You see, God already knew that they were not going to be faithful to this covenant. Uh, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that. They've already uh, been unfaithful again and again. Uh, past performance uh, often predicts future performance, doesn't it? That's a classic job phrase these days, isn't it? Uh, and, and, and God knew their hearts anyway. Uh, he knew what their hearts were like. Uh, and he knew that they would keep on failing. Uh, and uh, even despite what they, they keep saying, I mean, in this passage, verse 8, uh, they say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, uh, and we will be obedient. They're, they're really keen to, to get involved with this covenant, to obey. Uh, they've said the same thing back in verse 3. Uh, they're united in their willingness to, to keep the covenant. They see it as a good thing. Uh, but they're not going to keep it. Uh, and uh, in this animal sacrifice... God is saying, I know that you're not going to keep this, and I'm giving you a lifeline. I want you to kill an animal in place of the sinner, in place of the one who has broken the covenant. This slain animal is a substitute for the sinner. It's like he's kind of saying, I know your boat is going to sink, and I'm giving you a life jacket or a lifeboat. And next we read uh, that half the blood of the animals was sprinkled on the people. Uh, pretty weird to us, uh, but it was a sign that uh, the animal had died in their place. Uh, they were receiving the advantage of the animal dying in their place. And after Moses had sprinkled the blood on the people, uh, he says, verse 8, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And hundreds of years later, this moment on the mountain was repeated. God makes a new covenant with his people. Uh, they had consistently shown generation after generation that they would not be faithful to him. Uh, they've been spiritually adulterous and uh, they've run after other gods and worshipped other things. And so what, what is God going to say in this new covenant? Uh, is he going to say, uh, look, I'm, I'm not bothered about your sin anymore, it doesn't matter? Uh, let's just, just crack on with things. Uh, no, because sin matters. Uh, is he going to say, uh, you've been sinful and unfaithful. Uh, I've had enough of you. Uh, I'm giving up on this. I'm leaving. No. God says, uh, I love you so much that I am going to step in and I'm going to live the life that you promised to live in the covenant for you. Uh, and I'm going to pay the death penalty that should be yours for breaking this covenant. Uh, rather than an animal paying the price with blood, I'm going to pay the price with my own blood so that your sin can be fully and finally dealt with. You see, an animal can never really pay the price. It's just an animal. 
Uh, all it did was point forward to the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus, someone who could pay the price. Uh, and so the night before Jesus died, uh, he shared a meal with his disciples. And we read in the Gospel of Luke, after the supper, he, Jesus, took the cup, saying, this cup is the covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. God makes a new covenant with his people. Uh, and this time it was also made with blood, uh, but it wasn't the blood of an, of an animal. Uh, it was his blood that was shed uh, so that we can be brought back into relationship with God uh, once and for all when we trust Jesus. Uh, and rather than only uh, 70 people being able to go up the mountain uh, and meet God, uh, the New Testament tells us that if we're trusting Jesus, uh, we can look forward to uh, a never-ending feast with God. Uh, eternity. Uh, we won't stand at a distance. Uh, instead, we'll be able to sit with him uh, without dying uh, because Jesus has uh, paid that price for us. Uh, we'll be able to sit with him and see him face to face and enjoy a feast with him uh, and enjoy his, uh, his full and glorious presence. Uh, well, there's a lot to think about there, uh, things to get your head around. Um, but, but what does all this talk of covenant and blood and sacrifice uh, mean for us uh, on a Monday morning? Uh, what does it mean for us uh, as we look to the next four years as a church here at St. Joseph's? What it says is that God is completely committed to us. He's completely committed to you uh, and to me. Uh, he's not just saying, uh, let's see how things go. Uh, let's kind of pencil it in. He's saying, I'm completely committed to you at the price of my own blood. Uh, imagine you're a child in foster care, uh, and imagine uh, how difficult it would be to be moving between foster carers. Uh, maybe they uh, say, uh, I really care about you, I love you, uh, and yet you keep getting taken away and moved on. Uh, but imagine that one day you're adopted, and uh, maybe you still uh, struggle to, uh, to trust them or, or to commit to them. And you, you're still dreading that day when you'll be taken away. But then one day, uh, your new family, they, they get out the, uh, the adoption certificate, uh, the legal certificate, uh, and they say, this says that you cannot be taken out of this family. Uh, this is a legal binding document. We are completely committed to you. Uh, imagine how uh, freeing that would be. Uh, imagine how much that means that you can commit to that family. And God says to us, uh, when you're uh, struggling in life uh, or you're, you're struggling to believe that God is committed to you or struggling to believe that he is good, uh, you can look at uh, God's adoption certificate. You can look at his covenant. Uh, you can look to the cross and know that he is completely committed to you. Uh, and that is something solid and secure that we can stand on, that each one of us can stand on. Uh, it's the most amazing commitment that we'll ever see. So if you're uh, going through really difficult circumstances at the moment, uh, maybe you're struggling to trust that God's good, uh, maybe you're struggling with uh, ongoing sin, uh, and you're struggling to believe that God wants to accept you, uh, that he will accept you, uh, don't look at your circumstances uh, look to the cross uh, it tells us that God is completely committed to us we can trust him uh, and we can know that he will accept us 
if we put our trust in Jesus because he's given us his blood. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we share communion together each month. Uh, we break the bread, uh, we drink uh, the, the cup of wine uh, to lift our eyes back to the cross where Jesus says, I'm completely committed to you. Uh, this is the new covenant in my blood. And friends, uh, committing ourselves to a God who is that committing, committed to us uh, is an amazing thing. Uh, that's what we're, we're called to do uh, individually and as a church family as we look uh, to the next four years and further ahead. Uh, and uh, so let's allow um, that security, uh, that identity to, to sink in this fourth birthday. Uh, let's recommit ourselves uh, to the God who is completely committed to us uh, because it's only uh, if we're completely secure in his promises uh, that we're going to be able to keep going and keep living for him uh, as we continue as a church family. Uh, it's what's going to uh, enable us to keep going when things are tough. Uh, and if we're absolutely secure in God's promises, uh, it's what's going to allow us to, to trust him uh, and trust that his ways are good and trust that we can obey him even when it's difficult. Uh, we see clearly in this passage in Exodus, don't we, that, that God wants obedience from his people. But when we see how committed he is to us, when we see uh, that he wants the best for us, uh, we can trust that uh, his ways are, are good uh, and live by them. Uh, like we, when we've been uh, looking at the law in Exodus over the last few weeks and uh, uh, some of it has seemed uh, maybe a bit awkward uh, and we've needed to trust that it's good and, and, and try and take time to understand it. Uh, that's what we need to continue to do. Or when there are things in God's word that we find it hard to obey, uh, we need to uh, look to how committed he is to us and trust that he wants the best for us uh, and trust that his ways are good and seek to follow them even when it's difficult. Uh, and finally, if we're absolutely secure in God's promises, uh, we can have the courage to take risks uh, and live bold, sacrificial, courageous lives uh, for the gospel. What might that look like uh, over the next four years uh, here at St. Joseph's? Uh, well, on a personal level, uh, it might be uh, willingness to be bold uh, in evangelism, uh, even when it's difficult. Uh, it might be uh, willingness to make sacrifices uh, that come with us uh, growing as a church. Uh, I've been surprised by how many people have sort of said to me recently, uh, St. Joseph's is a large church, uh, and I think when we started, it didn't really feel like that. Uh, but uh, sometimes being part of a larger church uh, means making sacrifices, and uh, as we grow, uh, maybe it'll mean that we have to mix up midweek groups uh, that we've become settled in and we're enjoying. Uh, maybe it'll mean that uh, we have to uh, sacrifice time and money uh, to support those who are um, struggling uh, or finding things difficult in our church family. Um, it might mean uh, that um, we have to lose uh, great people to, to send them out to be mission partners or to plant churches. Uh, and we'll only live these kind of uh, bold, sacrificial, uh, courageous lives for the gospel if we're secure in God's promises, uh, like that adopted child. Uh, we need to resist the temptation to be uh, secure in our friendships, uh, uh, secure in uh, the, the encouragements of the last four years, uh, the feeling of uh, things being successful. Uh, instead, we need to be a church family who uh, are secure in God's promises. Uh, uh, that needs to be our number one security, uh, our number one identity. Uh, and uh, we need to be looking forward uh, to that uh, day when we will feast with God 
uh, where we'll see him face to face uh, and enjoy his glorious presence, uh, even more so than those folks who, who headed up Mount Sinai. Uh, and at that point, uh, we'll be able to say, thank you uh, that even though I was unfaithful, you were completely committed to me. Uh, thank you for your covenant. Thank you for Jesus.